Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. new month september 1st welcome to the just baseball show you got the three of us that's jack mcmullen arm lane and i am peter apple we got some call-ups to discuss i'm rocking my murderer's row hat because the yankees called up jason dominguez and austin wells but the team in queens also called up ronnie mauricio we saw a bunch of waiver claims we're going to debate whether they were good moves or bad moves we have the games of the weekend and it's all brought to you by BetMGM. Use promo code JustBaseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Aram. This is the most excited I've been for Yankees baseball yeah. since opening day. I, I, you should be, you know, like at this point, it's why would you watch? And now you have an opportunity to watch a lot of the youngsters. And it's kind of what we've been pounding the table for. I get it when you're in the hunt and there's no way that they would be bringing up Jason Dominguez uh, or Austin Wells. If, if they were remotely in the hunt, I want to be clear before we get excited and, and, and discuss like, you know, and I'm very pro the move. Like if you, if you can start a minor leaguer's clock, let them learn up there. These, these games don't really matter for the Yankees. But uh, this is an aggressive play. Like, this is an aggressive move. Dominguez made some adjustments after the first half, was playing out of his mind in the second half, and then just got the bump up to Triple A, uh, where, you know, I think there's some acclimation to be had there as well. There's going to be some growing pains potentially 
And that's fine. And I think the Yankees want to see what they have expedite that learning process so that maybe he can contribute next year, which I love. So that part of it, I I, I do like, um, I just hope we don't get into the, and I know this isn't going to be you, Peter, but there's the Yankee fans that, oh, I was sold on a generational talent. Why does he have an 87 WRC plus through his first hundred at bats? Dude, he's a 20 year old. He just skipped triple a, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, but I think he makes them really exciting. He obviously sells tickets and there's a chance he just hits the ground running though. He's a very polished 20 year old. Yeah, Jack. Um, I like what arm's saying about don't get your hopes up right now. Long-term things could look very good for Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells, but these guys aren't going to exactly hit the ground running, right? I was listening to an interview with Aaron Boone and he was talking about Everson Pereira, right? Another tippity top prospect of the New York Yankees. And he's looked overmatched. He's looked like a rookie. But the way Aaron Boone was describing him is that he's processing this well. And I think this last month is for that. Process getting beat. Process 99 up in the zone and then a slider low and away. Like nothing you'll see in AAA. Just get your feet wet. And then next year, it'll look a hell of a lot better. Yes. So these guys are being thrusted into a situation that is really hard to handle. And that's what Verlander in Houston for their major league debut, right? That's Dominguez and Wells debuting against a first ballot Hall of Famer in his place while this team is in the midst of a wild card chase. So this may be like the easiest duck hunt that Verlander has ever been on. He may mutilate Dominguez and Austin Wells three times for the order, but I'm with you. Like the chance to learn at the big league level is so unique. And, you know, take a gander at Jason Dominguez's baseball reference page. And and there are a couple things that you'll notice. Number one, he's been a top 100 prospect for four years. Um, This guy was a top 100 prospect when he was, what, 17 years old? He was the tabbed, like, DSL darling that was the Martian and looked, I don't know, like somewhat out of baseball shape, but also like you're an Olympic weightlifter. Um, and, And he's totally transformed his game. So, I think the Yankee fan base is going to look at what he did in nine games at AAA and say, oh, my God, he had 415? Like, he's he's going to be amazing here. You could argue that AA pitching is better than International League pitching this year. Like, that's actually mm-hmm. a thing. Average OPS in the International League is over 800, which is crazy. Um, the other thing is, like, Jason Dominguez does not play in – like a Luis Robert type game. I think when people hear the Martian, they expect that Dominguez swings at everything and hits balls 500 feet. And is like this freak of nature. He's really fast. He's not, he's not not Ellie De La Cruz. He's not Ellie man. Like I, you you reserve the alien life form nickname for Ellie De La Cruz, because that's something we've never seen With, with Dominguez. You're seeing a guy that is getting more fundamentally sound by the month in his baseball career and you're getting a high OBP guy. This guy saw an 100-point jump from batting average to OBP. So he's going to be patient. He may walk a lot, which you would never expect from a 20-year-old. He's going to be yeah. unique. And and I brought it up right before we hit record, man. The outfield left to right of Pereira, Dominguez, and Judge. I want to watch that. Yeah, way more fun. And just to add one or two other things on that front, um, it's been really impressive seeing Dominguez – you know, adjust the approach, continue to get better. And, and in the work that he puts in people, you know, say really good things about the makeup. And when I watch him in the Arizona fall league, I love the way he went about his business. He's always been, you know, a guy that, that looks like he's 
he kind of carries himself like a veteran. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the reason why they bring him up here. But I, I love the point that Jack made, because I think I said this on the podcast like two years ago when I was first typing up Ellie De La Cruz. And it wasn't an indictment on Jason Dominguez, but it was Ellie De La Cruz is everything that Jason Dominguez was supposed to be in terms of like this freak of nature that we were sold on. Dominguez is a special physical talent, though. Like he's a plus runner who is a switch hitter who produces plus exit velocities. But Ellie De La Cruz produces stat cast breaking exit velocities and is the fastest dude in baseball. Like it's just a different standard there in terms of tools. But on the flip side, I think Dominguez is a more advanced hitter, as Jack mentioned. The approach is better. Uh, and I think now he's kind of gotten himself to the point where his swing is a little bit more consistent from both sides. I think he makes more contact. So it's an interesting comparison, but I think Dominguez is a guy that, you know, may settle in a little bit. I know, I know Ellie went nuclear, but when you look at the first 300 plate appearances, I think there'll be less ebbs and flows for Dominguez because I do think his approach as Jack mentioned, is going to help him. Uh, and I think the the bat to ball skills continuing to improve are really going to help. And, of course, you know, th- this guy can can steal some bags, too, which is a lot of fun. So I- I'm really looking forward to most of all seeing how the defense looks out there uh, and because that's continued to improve. And as Jack mentioned, he kind of transformed his body. He was almost just like too stocky, too strong and heavy. Now he's a little bit lighter. He moves quicker. And it's we've seen it on the base paths. I think we're going to see it on the defensive side of things, too. Uh, we should probably mention that Austin Wells, uh, the, the catching situation has been terrible. Yeah, right. before we so, get to before we just get to Austin Wells, a slash line for Jason Dominguez kind of moving mm-hmm. forward. Now, I know it's kind of an impossible question, right? Because this kid is 20 years old. He's about to make his debut in Major League Baseball. So saying what his slash line will be in five years, we are going to be wrong, right? Yeah. But just to give kind of Yankee fans a picture, because I'm sure there's a bucket of Yankee fans who are like, well, of course he's going to be a 300, 400, 500 slash yeah. line with 40 home runs and 40 steals. Then there's the other bucket of Yankee fans who hate every single prospect that's ever been called up because at the end of the day, the Yankees have not done a very good job at developing talent. So they probably think he's going to be an automatic bust. He's going to slash 200, 300, 400. What should the rational fan who's not even a Yankee fan expect from Jason Dominguez? Maybe not at his peak, but maybe by 2025. Jack, you want to go first? Yeah, so strictly what he does in the box, look at James Alpin right now, and I think that's probably equivalent to what you get from Jason Dominguez, where it's a 10 to 12% walk rate, a K rate around 30%. That's a 120 WRC+. plus. He's got 20 homer power. Outman has 14 bags this year. I think if Outman like fully commit to swiping bags, he could be at 30. Like I think Dominguez, by by sheer accumulation in a full season, if you gave Dominguez 162 next year, he might flirt with 2030, which is crazy. But like Bobby Witt did that, and he was a 100 WRC plus guy. I think Dominguez is going to walk to elevate the WRC plus. And from a purely in the batter's box perspective, um, what you've seen from James Altman this year, I think is going to be very similar to what you see from Jason Dominguez in his first full year. So, Aram. Let's say 2025, after hearing what Jack just said, do you think it's reasonable to say when he is 23 that we're looking at a guy who's hitting 260 with a 340 OBP and a 470 slug? That'd be around an 810 OPS guy with 20 home runs and 20 steals in center field. Is that fair? 
Yeah, I think it is. I, I'm I'm curious to see how much he's going to walk in the in the early goings. I do think he's going to turn into a guy that walks plenty. But I was kind of looking at, you know, like an Anthony Santander type of of production, like something like that, where he's like 260, 333, 40, 495. Maybe the slug's a little high there, but I'm thinking the short porch and right might be kind to him. Um, if like, and that's like where it all really, really, really comes together. But yeah, I, I think he's a, a 260 type hitter i think he's gonna walk plenty and have a nice little gap between that eventually and there's there's 25 homer pop i I think the raw power is there for 30 but he hits them all on the ground more than more than you you, you'd probably like to see but that's also part of the reason why he's developed as a hitter is his his swing is you know become much more geared for contact line drives and i'm cool with that he hits the ball hard um so it might be less home runs than people thought but it might be more doubles and and a better batting average and and better on base, which you know with this speed that's fine. I'm okay. A 50% ground ball rate is palatable when you motor the way he does and hit the ball as hard as he does. There's plenty of examples of big leaguers who succeed with that. So I do think that the home runs may be closer to the 20 to 25 range when it really works out. Maybe even closer to 20, but I think he's going to hit a little bit better than people think and maybe strike out a little bit less than people think, uh, which is which is good. I think you take that, especially with the speed and the, and the ability to play all three outfield spots. Yankee fans got to be excited. And we're going to talk about Austin Wells. We're going to talk about Ronnie Mauricio, but we will get to major league baseball talk. I forgot to mention off the top that we have the top performers in August, as well as just baseball's player of the month for August. We're also going to talk about the five big waiver claims. And then Jack's going to lead us through the games of the weekend, but Aram right after we were going to segue from Dominguez, we talked about Austin Wells. Jack, you're pointing at me. Yeah, real quick. There was something optional in the rundown, and I appreciate that that's not let in, and we're not going to talk about it. We'll do that next week. No, no, I was going to just mention it at the end to, to be mean, but okay. whatever. Uh, stay tuned for that. We 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 are about to transition to Austin Wells, and the Yankees have a hole at catcher right now with Jose Trevino being on the IL for the rest of the season with that hurt wrist or whatever it is, he's not going to play for the rest of the year. And now it's been a lot of Ben Rortvet, and it's been a lot of Kyle Higashioka. Yeah, I'm that good. doesn't seem like a long-term plan. But is Austin Wells the long-term planet catcher? He can be a long-term plan as a bat, but yeah. everything I read is that, I don't know if catcher's going to work Arm, is it? Yeah, I, this is a good opportunity to kind of see how much progress he can make, you know, with with some big league help and uh, working out there. I, well, as I've seen on top 100 list, I'm not as high on him. Um, I think he's solid. Uh, and here's the thing, though, catching prospects, they sometimes all of a sudden hit their strides so much later. Uh, I know he's not going to have the defensive prowess of Patrick Bailey, but just using Bailey as an example of like a guy that I did not expect to, to do anything the way he's doing it now. Um, and and I don't think Wells is going to develop in anything like Patrick Bailey because the glove is far off. But, but I think that's a, I think that's important, Arm, because like you expected him to be this great defensively. You just didn't expect the bat to No, clip. no, no chance. What do you think is harder for a catching prospect this young is to develop great behind the plate or to develop more offensively from what you've seen? I think it's hard to to, to develop offensively while learning behind the dish. And the thing with Wells is like his baseline is He's still going to be, I think, a, a better hitter than than most catchers once he gets settled in. So I think if he works his butt off, and I know he has defensively and has improved, I think he can get himself to being an average catcher. If you're an average defensive catcher 
with potentially framing de-emphasize, because that's my biggest issue with him is the the receiving can get a little bit spotty. He's worked hard on the catch and throw. You get a left-handed hitting catcher, which is very desired, who walks a ton. Um, and and I think has sneaky pull side power can benefit from that short portion right again here. And, and, and they need more like lefty bats. I, I think he can fit in. Um, it's really just about getting that glove to develop to average. And I think he can do that. Like, come on. So I, I think this is perfect for him. I, I, I expect there to be some struggles, but I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops behind the dish because there's been plenty of guys that, you know, I, I would expect to not be great defenders. And I would just say the catching position in general is just one of the more unpredictable for better and for worse when it comes to prospects. And, you know, Wells has a lot of the talent and can swing it. So uh, let's see if they can just kind of get that glove to be average. And I think he's he's the future there then. Jack, I think all of us assume that Austin Wells will be the catcher, at least moving forward for the last month of the season until the Yankees go golfing by October. Let's say we get a month's worth of data and he's terrible. Do you think that he could still make it as a big leaguer with the bat potentially maybe playing a corner or a DH spot. Like is the bat good enough that he will be in the lineup regardless of position? Yes. I, I think so. Yes. Especially with Rizzo, he's finishing year one of that two year extension. So, you know, you find him in a tweener spot next year and then, Hey, like you're kind of without a first baseman moving forward there. So, um, and when you say like, okay, the stats may be terrible. Like he may be metrically terrible for the first month of the season. What would you call what Higashioka and Rortvet did for the last couple months? <laughs> like, you know what no I mean? Comment. No he, comment. He could be a 65 WRC plus, and I'm still more excited to turn on a Yankee game than yeah. Higashioka and Rortvet. Well, it, those guys aren't hitting home runs 110 pull side. And like Wells has flashed that. You know, I don't so care if he strikes out 40% of the time, if he gives us one of those, if he gives us 111 off the bat and 430 to left field one time in 100 plate appearances, it's more worth it than, than the tandem of Higashioka and, and Rorkvet at this point. Yeah, I'm in on that. I don't know. Higgy did hit a ball hard that one time. <laughs> yeah. That one time. Yeah. Dude, People I, forget I, he was the third string catcher on Team USA's WBC team. I was about to bring that up. I've never seen a guy take more batting practice. <laughs> I know. That guy. <laughs> it's so true. It was, he was always in the cage. He was in the cage more than anybody. I mean, like. Mike Trout, step aside. Like it was literally like Higgy took like eight rounds. It's was Kyle's like, time. <laughs> what are we doing? Like he literally like every single like he was in every group. They had different hitting groups, and Higashioka was in all of them. I, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. We were going live on TikTok and like filming the batting practice, and everybody kept saying, "Why does Higgy keep hitting?" And I'm like, "You're right. <laughs> like I don't know." And just no like, way. who's up right now? Oh, it's Kyle Higashioka for the fifth uh, round in a row. Where's Mike Trout? He's like getting ready for the game and not taking BP. It was just Higgy and Bobby Wood Jr. Just like yeah, hanging out yeah. and just keep raking. Just working, just working on shit. <laughs> How about Crazy. another guy? Transitioning over to the Mets. Ronnie Mauricio is a prospect that Aram has been very hot, very cold on. Can't fully seem to figure about huh, Aram. I don't think anyone can. Um, I I I look, he is a headache of a prospect because he's so talented. You look at the numbers he produces, but he gets as hot and as cold as, as anybody. He chases so much. He has so much power. 
but what really put, you know, I think kind of like helped me come around to him as a prospect. And I know he's not going to play shortstop for the Mets, but he really improved his defense at short. And that was really encouraging. So I'm like, okay, that takes some pressure off the bat. But I don't think people realize like Ronnie Mauricio has 70 power. And so like if this guy can hit even average and just not chase everything, you got a switch hitter with 70 power. He's hit balls 460, 470 feet. He has a home run this year. He has multiple home runs at 115 miles per hour. Like this guy's got crazy, crazy, crazy power. So I, I'm I'm excited to see what it looks like. I'm excited to see him get a shot. Uh, I think he's earned it at this point. It was getting ridiculous how long he was down there. And the Mets should see what they've got here. Maybe it's a trade chip. I think now that they're building for the future, I think it's a guy that could end up taking over. Uh, look at the Jeff McNeil extension, the way that's looked. Like now you got another option here uh, as a guy that can kind of move around a little bit, can play third, uh, can play second, can play short. Hell, they might throw him in, in left. Uh, he started playing left in AAA a little bit more. Um, I actually a lot more uh, down the stretch. So he might kind of be that super utility guy for them that can hit bombs. And that that's pretty fun. I I think you can hope for some sort of you know, Chris Taylor type of production, um, not with the speed. It, you'd probably get more power, but I think they're hoping to get some sort of Chris Taylor type of player here. And, you know, that's a really valuable piece. Jack, you can't put him in right field because the Mets best player is DJ Stewart. Yes. <laughs> you can't put him at shortstop because the Mets second best player is Francisco Lindor. I assume you want to keep Mark Vientos at third, right? You want to see what you got there. And then Jeff McNeil, I agree, he's been underwhelming, but I don't think you you're going to move him off second right now, at least, because I think moving forward long term, we can have a bigger conversation, but just Ronnie Mauricio getting called up to the Mets right now. You got to say he's going to play left field because, mm-hmm. with all due respect to Rafael Ortega, <laughs> no DJ Stewart. I didn't even a crazy sentence. <laughs> Ortega Ortega's a fever dream uh, cub and Yankee, and there might be one more. He's like a really good immaculate grid pull. I was about right. to he played for the Marlins for a little bit. Ortega, there we go, man. Another team with the immaculate grid. Um, yeah, I think it's left field. And I'm just thinking about what things look like opening day of 2024, because where do you want Acuna playing? Luis Angel Acuna. Is it going to be second base? So you're looking at, I, do they trade? is so fucked. (laughs) Right. He's so screwed. So Alonzo, if they don't trade him, is at first base. If they do trade Alonzo, I think it's Vientos at first. Hmm. Acuna at second. I, but that's, you know, midway through the 2024 season, I think. Lindor at short, Beatty at third. And then what else? Like Nimmo in center. Do you only have a finite amount of room to play with? I think Mauricio has to learn a corner. Um, Fascinating thing here that I just wanted to point out. I I was looking at Mauricio's just game log over the last several years. This guy got 450 plate appearances in 2021. Then in the winter league, he got 94 plate appearances. But it gets crazy. 540 plate appearances last year with Binghamton. He goes and plays an entire Dominican Winter League. He got 108, he got 203 plate appearances in the Dominican Winter League. He jumps from 541 in AA to 200 in the D, in the Dominican Winter League to 532 so far this year. Does this guy take a day off? Like he may play baseball 365 days a year. He just loves it. He just loves it. It's insane. Yeah. You gotta love that if you're a Mets fan. I mean, the dude's yeah. a grinder. And look what he's 
become, right? Army is a wasn't he just like this super raw, talented, but I, I mean, you know, extremely frustrating player. And like he's really made himself a, I mean, a legitimate top 100 prospect and a, a guy who you have to at least give a look at to say, I think he can hit enough now. I, I mean, but before it was just 40% chase, too much whiff, like everything's on the ground. Like he's definitely improved in a lot of facets. He's still going to be frustrating at times, but. I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that this guy can be a, a big league bat. And I agree. I think left's the spot for him. How do you think he profiles as a left fielder, right? Because we've seen him a lot in the infield, right? Moving positions at that young of an age, but we already kind of figured out he's an absolute grinder and probably just loves being on the field. So it's not like it's that difficult to learn left field. I would be much more nervous if he was a left fielder learning shortstop. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, but he's it's, that good of an athlete. Like, how does he profile as a left fielder compared to shortstop? Because I'm sure when you're ranking prospects, Ronnie Mauricio, the shortstop prospect, is ranked higher than Ronnie Mauricio, the oh, yeah. corner outfield oh, prospect. Yeah. Absolutely, especially with the strides he made defensively. I think he's going to get some looks at third, too. Um, I think Vientos will, you know, get some days off, DH play you know play play a, a little bit of first when Alonzo DHs is Vientos uh, that good no nah, I mean Mauricio's ahead of him now and right? I think like, that's I think right. that's what's gonna happen is you know I, I liked Vientos's power and I like the things I saw from him but you know it hasn't all come together for him it might later you know early. but I, but I I think at this point Mauricio's ahead of him I think he can be a good left fielder he's not as he's not the fastest guy but he moves better than Vientos who they wanted to try and left um, he's got a big arm, so I think he can be fine out there, but I think we might see him at third a little bit too, where I think he'd be a really good defender, uh, Mauricio. So I think he's, he's going to be playing a little bit of third, a little bit of left. And I think, I think that's perfect. Uh, and then Beatty of course comes up next year and, and Mauricio plays more left, but to just get at bats right now, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at both third and left. Before we jump to the waiver claims, so another prospect promotion, Alexander Canario, up with the Chicago Cubs. So Canario, the outfielder, will join the Cubs who are playing excellent baseball right now and are on the inside of that wild card hunt right now. And I firmly believe we'll be a postseason team this year. Canario uh, and Candelario. That's Canario and Candelario on the same team. Oof. That's uh, I watched uh, a... I watched Steven Gonzalez throw to Nick Gonzalez last week. Ugh. And I said, Gonzalez to Gonzalez. And I felt so proud of myself after that. That's tough. There's some, there's something for broadcasters. I'm like, Oh man, I would just totally fumble that. But uh, that's exciting. I mean, Canario has been standing on his head. He's been Crazy going nuts juice. in triple A. I know people were clamoring for PCA, but PCA has been, you know, I kind of slowed down a little bit of late and Canario is going to be called up to be a, a bench bat, you know, spot starter, pinch hitter, which I think he's a really good piece for that. But you don't want to do that to PCA right now because it, he needs at-bats. That That's a guy that could be your opening day outfielder next year, especially if Belly's gone. He could be your opening day center fielder. So I, I like the move of going with Canario and letting PCA continue to get his at-bats. And I think Canario can be a nice little spark plug for them off the bench, especially with Morrell kind of struggling lately. If you're a Cubs fan, you have to be really, really excited because you're seeing this team oh, as constructed gosh. overperforming. You just saw the debut of Jordan Wicks flashing that insane changeup, but they also have Ben Brown in waiting. And then you're just talking about PCA who ain't even up yet. And then we get to see Cade Horton. Cade Horton. Oh yeah. Talk about him a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's a top, that's a top three pitching prospect in the game. Um, they keep acing the drafts. Matt Shaw just got brought double. up to double A already. He's raking. I, I dude, Jed Hoyer, like, I'm on my hands and knees. 
if I'm a Cubs fan saying, how do we make you stay here forever? Like, it's incredible. How, like, he needs the Brian Cashman treatment. Um, like, he needs the the uh, Angel Hernandez treatment. He needs – like, that's a guy that I, I – like, it, it might not go well forever, but <laughs> – I might get reckless if I'm if I'm in charge in in Chicago and and give Hoyer like the supermax to Lifetime make him not deal. go anywhere. Yeah, time deal. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, also like I wouldn't call what Javier Assad is doing overperforming. Mark Leiter Jr. Again, he keyed us in that Javier Assad is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's actually underperforming yeah. based on that based on that uh, thought. Correct. Waiver claim time. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> so this is the state of Ohio dominated the waiver wire. Lucas Giolito leaves the Angels and is now a Cleveland Guardian. Matt Moore, best reliever on waivers, Cleveland Guardian. And then you look at Reynaldo Lopez, also a Cleveland Guardian. But the Reds, they bolster the lineup, getting Harrison Bader from the Yankees to play some center field. And then Hunter Renfro, who Arm, you and I talked about yesterday, was a perfect fit perfect in Great fit. American Ballpark, and he goes to Cincinnati. Now, there are a couple of other names. Um, Randall Grichik notably cleared waivers. Nobody wanted we him, which that we one. also talked about yesterday, where I doubt a team is really going to want to pick him up. So, Randall Grichik, congratulations. You are back again, a Los Angeles angel. The Guardians... This is very interesting because the Guardians took two of three from the Twins mm-hmm. just last series, which followed taking two of three from the Blue Jays. And now the Guardians have been pretty stinky all year long. But they are still just five games back now. I floated this on Twitter. Could they possibly get hot and catch the Twins? Maybe. But not only is it hard to make up five games, it's also hard when the Twins have about the easiest possible schedule moving forward. In terms of strength of schedule, in terms of the winning percentage of the teams that the Twins face, 26th in Major League Baseball, which is fourth easiest. The combined winning percentage is 469. There's some Rockies in there. There's some A's. There's some Royals. So the Guardians are really going to have to make a Herculean feat in order to catch the Twins. But at the same time, like the Twins are not playing that great in baseball. So it's not like I'm locking them into wins against these bad teams. First, we'll just talk about a reaction to the moves and then we'll discuss if the Guardians actually have a shot to catch the Twins arm. This caught me off guard because I was explaining this to my roommates, you know, who are like very just casual baseball fans, just big sports fans. Um, about the whole waiver process. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty much guaranteed because they're South Florida guys. So th- they're always just asking me, like, should I be paying attention to the Marlins right now? And I'm like, no. Um, but, you know, I was like, oh, they actually might get some some additions here. Yeah, I think they're going to get first dibs of all the competitive teams on the waiver wire because that's what we thought, right? Like we, we were looking yeah. at all the teams that would potentially put in claims and the Marlins seemed like the team with the worst record that was within striking distance of, of a uh, playoff spot. But you know, I looked at the wild card and see the Guardians 11 and a half out. You almost forget that you now with the way that they've been playing, they're only five out of, of the division, which you know that's attainable. But, you know, attainable enough to, you know, you're not compromising your future. You're just spending a few bucks to, to go get these guys. I, it made me think about this because, you know, in fantasy football or whatever, like, I don't know how you do your waivers, but 
you know, when you make a waiver claim, even if you're first in line, you go back to the back of the line for, for that second player. If you wanted to put two claims in, uh, I know Marlins fans are probably not happy about this and maybe some fans of other teams. W- where do you guys stand on that? Cause of course I'm going to say like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't be able to claim every single player. I know the Marlins putting claims on multiple players end up with nobody and a team like the guardians can kind of just swoop up everybody. Do you think you should get one claim and go to the back of the line? Or am I just being a salty boy? Jack, I think you're being salty. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I just think like, okay. You know, the guardians have a way worse record than the Miami Marlins do not way worse, but like the guardians are in a worse spot than the Miami Marlins are. So if you want to hoard guys that were put on waivers, go right ahead. Like, yeah. Notice we're talking about Lucas Giolito and Harrison Bader and Reynaldo Lopez. We're not talking about Jake Berger because Berger's not getting put on waivers. So yeah. we're talking about guys that are too expensive for crap teams to hold on to at this point. And I know you guys talked about it. The Angel situation at the waiver deadline was ludicrous. And that this is the craziest white flag I've seen in baseball history. Um, and I had a lot of questions about the waiver process too, actually, like you're not alone. If you're listening to this and it's like, Hey, how did this work? Great article by John Becker at Fangraphs, and it's titled Q and a, what the heck did the angels <laughs> and some other teams just do? And it is literally a Q and a where it's like the waiver process for dummies and how this differs from a guy that's designated for assignment, that waiver process too. Um, so I thought the angels were idiots, but yeah, man, like I think, if you're in a bad spot, it's fair. You want to hoard three C minus level pitchers? Go right ahead, Bubba. Here's here's my take. I don't think he's being a salty boy. I do think it's kind of bullshit that a team that's only a couple of games back from a team like the Miami Marlins gets all of them because Arm or Jack. I think you're doing a little bit disservice to some of these pitchers, right? Who am I these doing are- a disservice to? Matt Moore has been good. He's got a two, three. Reynaldo Lopez has been good. Like Giolito, he's going over to the Guardians. Giolito has a seven with the Angels. But he's at the same time, ERA. We, we talked to Lance yesterday. Don't you think that there is a decent chance that the Guardians make some changes with Giolito and end up making him at least down to a four ERA guy? Like that is important. I don't think just because the Guardians have 64 wins and the Marlins have 66 means that they get every single team. I agree with Aram. I think that you, if you are the Guardians, you get first pick on the waiver claim. And then when you make that claim and you get that first overall pick, quote unquote, you then move to the back of the line. I don't think that the Guardians should just get every single player as the same thing with the Reds. That doesn't make sense to me either, just because of a couple of games difference in different leagues. So the only snag with that, and I don't know the answer to this, the only snag with that is I have no idea which player comes first. You know what I mean? Like, I think it all happens simultaneously, and I think that there is a cue for each player. It's not like, okay, first up for auction, Lucas Giolito, next up for auction. I don't think that's how that works. So I think that... It's a fully synchronized process with each guy. And if it's streamlined like that, I think it's borderline impossible to do that. No, I agree. The way it is constructed right now, I agree with you. It is kind of impossible. I just disagree with those rules, right? And I think Arm does too, in a way. Like, we're not over the moon pissed. Yeah. But that is, it does feel like a rule where 
just because the Guardians and the Reds are a few games back of these teams, they now get everyone in the teams that are like the Marlins almost got penalized for being a little bit better than the Guardians and the Reds in this case. I mean, they definitely got hosed. And it's interesting. Like who who would have thought? And I don't think there's going to be a lot of instances where I think I I don't know who said it on Twitter, but it might have been Buster Olney. uh, they they used the term board game flip, which is a hilarious thing. Art, Artie Moreno's board game flip. Like, I, I'm, I don't like this game anyways. I'm just picturing him just flip the whole thing over. Like, that's basically what he did, Yeah. Um, which is so funny. That, but so th- that's the thing, man. Like, this is such a unique situation. It's probably never going to be this loaded of a waiver situation. So I think that's why. But like in this, if if it was like this every year and if it does start to be like this every year, then I'm with Peter. I think I I think they have to adjust some way because this would get this can get really egregious uh, if if there is situations where I don't think it'll always be this loaded, but I do think that we might start to see this a little bit more uh, as we move forward because it's just a way to shed some money on guys like when your team's cooked. But the problem is you'd usually trade those guys anyway, so it's it seems like a weird in between thing that that wouldn't happen that often. That's- I don't know. This is a once in my baseball fandom lifetime thing that we're seeing with the LA Angels this year where they were tweeners. They went all in and they said, fuck it, instead of limping to the finish line. Like, in like 30 days. Yeah. yeah. Less. Dude. Like, it's yeah, less. such a weird system that the Angels are. And honestly, with what the Angels are doing right now, like what's the public perception of the LA Angels right now? They're morons. They just did the dumbest thing that we've seen in recent history in this game. So it's like if you see somebody do something really embarrassing and he gets made fun of, are you going to do that too? Like, I don't see this happening again because the Angels are the laughing stock of professional sports right now. So I think this is almost embarrassing to the point where like teams, I wouldn't have been shocked if LA just ate it, but like they didn't and they put up a white flag that we've never seen before. So for the sake of this exercise real quick, just take out the angels guys. And on the waiver wire, you've got Harrison Bader. You've got Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco and Dominic Leone. And are you pissed? Uh, No, Renfro's an angel. Oh, true. (laughs) Well, was an angel. (laughs) Um, Are you pissed? that the Marlins aren't getting any of those four still. No, no. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's a little annoying, like that. They wouldn't be able like, to I get would one be, of Bader. Yeah. yeah but I, like, look at jazz. He sucks in center. No, he's yeah, got Bader's the answer for sure. No, I know. No, but I, 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 I know. I think it's a fair point. I would be I, upset. I, no, yeah. I, I get it. I, I don't think it would be nearly as big of a deal. Um, So thank you angels for making this the, the weirdest situation of all time. But, um, I'm actually excited to talk about the Guardians because now I'm kind of rooting for them. Yes, me too. I and I'm excited to talk about the Reds in a second too because Hunter Renfro has 10 home runs in 19 career games, a great American ballpark, by the way. Um, so that's gonna be really cool. But the Guardians, like they might do the damn thing, man. Like, this is a team that just traded for Noah Syndergaard. Like that, that's how down bad they were pitching wise. And now they it's not just that they get Giolito. They added Cal Quantrill back, who like I really think he was hurt before. Oh, yeah. And I think was throwing through that a little bit. Cause I just watched him, you know, his triple A rehab start. Uh he shoved. was shoved, shoved. Oh. Um, yeah. 
it was it was impressive. It was it was honestly impressive. And of course, it's a triple A rehab start. But you know, no, we saw the first one come out where he didn't look good, and then this is one where it was like classic Cal Quantrill hitting the spot. So you have Cal back in the fold, and I, however you feel about him, like that's a guy that we feel great. Made feel forty right. starts at a, at a low threes. So if you can get something back, you know, in in that realm, that's exciting. You see what you get from Giolito. Their bullpen now is scary. We we're talking about how it wasn't. Uh, as good as previous years in and class a has been faltering a little bit. Now they just added a couple of legitimate arms that would have probably brought back major prospects at the deadline, which is the funniest part. They could have got a haul from that more. They probably um, could have gotten Edgar Caro and Kai Bush from the white Sox for, <laughs> for that duo of Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Oh, easily, easily. And yeah. think about what they could have got from Matt Moore though. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be a nice little shot in the butt for them. And I think the guardians who, you know, saw Josh Bell leave and probably were like thinking, hey, you know, we're we're just going to kind of play loose and see what happens. Now, all of a sudden, like, hey, we got a shot. And we talk about what, what adding at the deadline does for teams sometimes. I don't know if they've ever had this late of it in addition. They also claimed Loriana, who's actually been playing well for them. Pretty well, uh, yeah. Which, which is, yeah, 106 WRC plus he's been defending. Um, He's, he's I, so thankful he's out of Oakland. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like maybe something, maybe something happens here. I I'm, I'm excited to see, but I'm glad they're giving it a shot. I, I, it's just good for baseball when, you know, a team like this, like doesn't wave the white flag and, and tries to compete a little bit. I think guardians fans have to be thrilled that they spent a little bit of money here to, to give their team a shot. Jack, I think the guardians before they made these waiver claims had about a 15% chance of catching the twins. I think that just raised to about 30. Now, it's not 50-50, but I think you did double your chances by adding these guys. And to Arm's point, I think the bullpen arms are more impactful there. Like, maybe I'm just so bullish on Matt Moore and Reynaldo Lopez. No, I'm I with you. Think they're, I think they're very good bullpen arms that you add to Trevor Steffen and Emmanuel Classe and Nick Sandlin and Henches. Like, there's so many good arms back there, Danielle. which yep. then they can counteract the lack of starting pitching, right? They did end up trading Aaron Savali, who they could definitely use. But if I'm not mistaken, McKenzie is potentially going to be back soon. Yep. I guess who else is going to be back will return. Josh Naylor is, is already on rehab. He's been out for a month. So like they've got their own reinforcements coming and they just brought in guys. It wouldn't blow my mind. It wouldn't be crazy to me. Yeah. If they get Bieber back too at some point, I mean, this could be fun. And, and I think they've got to be optimistic at least about one of those two about either Bieber or, um, you know, or McKenzie. Because I don't think they would have been so aggressive on the bullpen arms, and I think just aggressive in general to to add. I know they added Giolito, but they 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 needed another arm regardless. Uh, I think this this front office feels optimistic that hey, we're getting some dudes back. Hey, Bo Naylor's starting to settle in and look like a legitimate big league catcher. And you know maybe we can just catch lightning in a bottle here and and get rolling. And that's fun. Uh, so I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the two waiver claim teams in Ohio. Uh, I'm rooting for for Cleveland, and I'm I'm rooting for Cincy too. Before so Jack, we, yeah, yeah, no, I was just gonna say before we get to the Reds, yeah. After hearing all of that, knowing that the Twins have a really really easy schedule moving forward, the fourth easiest, but at the same time, the Guardians have the 14th easiest, so about an average schedule moving forward. Do you think going from 15 percent chance to catch the Twins to 30 is fair? 
I think 15 to 25, like yep. 30 seems a little gonna, yeah. lofty, um, especially because the Twins have such a good cushion. And we're getting really excited for the final month of the season, which is awesome. But we're five months in, and the Twins have proven that they are just the better team moving and forward. Joe Ryan looks Yeah, healthy. Joe Ryan's and throwing by the again. way, yeah. Sonny looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Sonny he's, looks he's, so good. Like, Garrett Cole should win the Cy Young, but, like, yep. Sonny should finish second in AL Cy Young. It, that's so clear. Um, I love what Gavin Williams, Bybee, and Logan Allen have done. Those guys have cemented themselves in the future of the Guardians rotation. We'll see what they do with Bieber. But if you've got those four and McKenzie moving forward and whoever pops up in your organization, whether wow. it be a Parker Messick, oh, Quantrill, wow. sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. you've got that going on. Xavier Curry has been a blessing for them over the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been good per se. Like no, but like his production is good. It's just like you look at the underlying doubt and you're like, holy crap! Yeah, but like get annihilated soon, and he did in his last start. So now that you've got Giolito in the fold and you're getting McKenzie back, you don't need Curry in the rotation anymore. So with what Curry has done, those underlying metrics predict for the future. Let's think about what he's done for them in the last month. The Facts. fact that they're still in contention is a testament to Xavier Curry. Um, so I, I think that they have bridged the gap really well. They probably looked at this as a lost year when they didn't do much at the deadline. Um, and now there's almost like a new injection of life here yeah. from the waiver deadline. September 4th, circle that on the calendar. We got Guardians, Twins, Hell yeah. three game set. That'll be the last time that they play each other. And I think that could be a really big opportunity because you talk about the schedule and how much easier it is for the twins the rest of the way. The Guardians, it's, you know, it, it's it's a little bit of everything, um, but there's some soft spots in the schedule, too. But I, that series, if they can take two out of three again or even, I mean, imagine a sweep, um, then it's then you're really in good shape. You can't lose that series, though. I think if you lose that series, you're, you're in trouble. If you take two out of three. Now, now I think we're in the 30% range, 35% range that Peter was saying. So uh, I've got that circle. That's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series. I'm looking forward to that one. Also, quick, quick quirk. And who else but Sarah Langs put this out? But it's really Mm -hmm. funny. Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez were with the Washington Nationals together. They moved to Chicago in the Adam Eaton deal together. They moved to L.A. in this Carroll and Bush deal together. And now they're claimed by the same exact team. It would be so funny if they hated each other. I was thinking, it's like, what if they like can't stand each other? <laughs> so funny. So we're talking about the Cleveland Guardians and how they are five games out, but a team who just acquired two relatively good bats is just a game out of the wild card and six games out of the division. Now, I don't think they're going to catch the Brewers, but I'm not putting that out of reach. Eh, I kind of am. But what I'm definitely not putting out of reach is the wild card hunt because the Diamondbacks they just got annihilated by the Dodgers. They really got big brothered and when their offense gets cold they just don't have the pitching. When Zach Gallen isn't on the mound, it's really tough for them to win games right now. The Giants, they're frisky. They're pesky. They'll beat the Braves in bullpen games and then lose four to one at home facing Hunter Green with Logan Webb on the mound. Like, it's hard to know exactly what they're going to do on a day in and day out basis, but at least they have a series against the Padres up this weekend 
where I'm hoping they separate themselves from the San Diego Padres. But the Reds don't have that tough of a schedule left, and they are just a game out. What was your reaction, Arm, to when they acquired both Renfro and Bader? I, I think it was what I what I was hoping to see the Marlins do in terms of like, wow, this short up one of one of the biggest concerns I had. Like this, this might be a difference maker. And and I think it is a difference maker because it, it's not just that you brought in Bader and Renfro. It's this is a team we talk about how much they needed to rely on youngsters to remain consistent, to remain productive. And, you know, Matt McClain goes down, they lose one of their outfielders. And now you have two guys that, you know, Bader struggled. Renfro has actually had a, a another like Renfro type year. And, and of late, he's been swinging it much better. Renfro would lead the Cincinnati Reds in home runs right now. Yep. And that's not playing in great American ballpark. He, he would lead the Reds with 19 home runs. Uh, I think the most is, 18 with Spencer steer. So, I mean, you just added a major, you know, a major power bat, relatively speaking. And this is a guy that has 10 home runs in 19 games at, at, at great American ballpark. You mentioned it on the episode yesterday, Peter, it like, he seems like a perfect candidate. You place him in great American. He goes nuclear and, and ignites this offense, but so is Harrison Bader as well. And Harrison Bader's career at Great American Ballpark, where he's played plenty of games there. Of course, he played for the St. Louis Cardinals and used to play teams in the division a lot more. He's played 30 games there. 294, 385, 544 slash line with five homers. Like this is this is a place where guys can elevate their offense. But even if Bader isn't raking, he hits lefties well, which was a big issue for the Reds, helps them there. He defends in center field. They needed that. I mean, this is this is kind of everything that I know Reds fans wanted pitching, but like this is better than anything they could have done at the deadline. Realistically, they didn't have to give up any prospects. And Hunter Green just came back. And I know the first start was ugly. He threw the hell out of the ball against San Francisco. Looked great. Looked great. This is the best I felt about the Cincinnati Reds since, you know, they were, you know, basically endearing us you know, to them with their magical run in the early parts of the season. This is as this is as close to shoring up this lineup as you could possibly get. And the way that, you know, you can kind of look at it now with McLean out with the oblique thing and with Jake Fraley missing a bunch of time, you've got two spots that you really need to fill. And thankfully, you know, hey, all all rookie infield look at it. You got Marte at third, Elliott short, um, Steer at second and CES at first base. So I'm looking at just how they align. And they're, they've got four outfielders for three outfield spots and a DH. And I'm not factoring in Stuart Fairchild. I'm not factoring in Hopkins right now. I'm factoring in Will Benson, who's handling right field. Benson's your right fielder. I'm factoring in TJ Friedel, who I think is either center or left with Bader added to the fold. I think he's in left field. And then you've got Nick Senzel, who has been the worst nightmare for Cincinnati Reds fans. And Nick Martini, who great story, but like Martini, he's been fine over 30 plate appearances. Martini's been DHing a good bit. What are you talking about? Martini's been their best player. No, I just over 35 plate appearances. What did he exactly. just do? No, I'm just saying. No, so, it's just funny what I've been turning on Redscapes lately. The only fucking guy who's ever getting hits is Nick Martini. Okay, so how do you feel about this moving forward? Benson in right, Bader in center, Friedel in left, Renfro as the DH for the Cincinnati Reds. Hunter yep. Renfro is the DH for the Cincinnati Reds is like a euphoric thing to say. I mean, this is a team that just signed Trey Mancini, hoping that like he could make a little bit of work. a 
Well, no, no. I mean, they just signed him like into a minor league deal like two weeks ago. Just yeah, to like yeah. see, maybe maybe he can come up and help us. Like that's how down bad they were because they didn't know that Artie Moreno was going to flip the board over. So yeah, this is they've got to feel great right now. And I'm I'm again I'm glad a very notoriously cheap team spent a couple million dollars here uh, to to try to win some games. So um, I hope I'd love to know what Artie Moreno is going to do with his savings. Yeah, no, how and, much does he save? Because he well, was he, over the luxury tax back. by one point five. Oh, that that so he probably saved a shitload. I don't even know. By one for him five million. I don't yeah. know how much you save if you're over the luxury tax by one point five. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's not worth the public yeah. embarrassment as a yeah. billionaire. Last thing on Cincinnati, I'd feel so much better about their wild card chances if Lodolo wasn't shut down from his rehab. I, but Nick Lodolo's I, rehab got shut down. I know. So what does that rotation look like now? It's it's Green, Ashcraft, Williamson, Abbott. Abbott. Figure the fuck out. <laughs> Williamson isn't bad. I know. It's like I keep I'm wa- I've been waiting for him to regress and like pretty good. And lively. Really... It's not great. No, Williamson's a fine four. Yeah. Like or five. Like and if on this team, if he's a little bit better than that, and then you know, a little bit more valuable than that to you. Like, that's fine. Ashcraft, like when you squint your eyes like really close together, he kind of is like Jordan Montgomery, sort of, but you really yeah. squint, squint. You got to really squint, but <laughs> yeah. I, no, I don't, I don't hate that. You know, I would have loved to see them get, get an arm, but it's not like there was a lot of starting pitchers out there. And I, I like that they were able to go get the two bats and, and make that improvement there. And the bullpen's been holding it down. And, um, I mean, getting Hunter Green back is so big. I just, I, this is the best you, you've had to have been able to feel about the rotation in a while, too, which isn't saying much. But, you know, Green, Abbott, Ashcraft, Williamson, like that's that's fine. Um, That's better than it than it's been. So I, I, I'm rooting for the Reds. I'm fully on the Reds bandwagon the rest of the way. I will start using the, the word we uh, on Twitter when I refer to the Reds. The thing is, though, the Cubs are still better. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no that's the thing. Like, there's only so many wild card spots. I know, I know. But, but let's 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 have it be close. Let's let's have it come down to the last day. There's nothing. I, I'll I'll remember that um, Longoria home run at in Tropicana, like on the last game yeah. of the season. Like wild card, the wild card special. Like, there's something about that last day where it comes down to multiple teams and all these variables. I want that. That's what baseball wants too. I know. So. um I, I thought the Reds were dead in the water, and now I don't think that. So that I mean, that's how much of a difference I think they just made. And and just to tie a bow on the original point that we were talking about with the waiver claims, right? The Reds just made two big upgrades, and it's like the Marlins are just a game. Like now, the Marlins couldn't make any waiver claims, and they're also playing the most lifeless baseball. I mean, that series against the Rays, it, they were asleep at the wheel, and now they travel to Washington. Let's see them beat Joanna Doan, who <laughs> threw a five-and-a-no-hitter against them. Yeah. They're going mean, they to we'll lose see. three out of four in that series. The Marlins are dead. I, I'm I, I'm not going to – we eulogize the Padres. I'm not going to eulogize the Marlins just yet, but I will declare them dead after the, if they lose three out of four to the Washington Nationals, and we can eulogize uh, – this season. I'll remember that first half forever. But wasn't that just the worst series you've ever watched? It was, it was utterly demoralizing. I I, I do want to say that the Rays 
I mean, I tweeted it, but like props to them, man. It's, yeah. it's amazing what they've been able to do, how they've been able to weather the storm. I know we talked about that a little bit on the last episode, but I mean, just everything that they've been able to overcome. I mean, it's pros pros over there. Um, and Kevin cash, like that's a manager of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I, right. I think, like, I, I don't know if you bake in like major controversy around your franchise player and keeping the clubhouse together. And I think you should, um, <laughs> you should, I would. <laughs> I, I'm voting for Kevin Cash for manager of the year in the American League. No doubt about it. That team should be that team should be struggling. So, but yeah, to to refer back Brand. to your point, Peter, the the Marlins couldn't look more lifeless. And that's why I'm surprised they didn't try to snag a bat. Like, do something. Just just try to inject some but life. They couldn't. Somehow. They couldn't because the Reds, Well, I think they could they could have put could've. a claim in on well, I guess you don't know who you're gonna get. Bro. So if yeah. you put a claim in on the bats too, and then you got multiple players. Now you got to boot somebody off of the forty man. Like it would have gotten a little bit, a little bit messy. So I think they, you got to pick your 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 spot. And they went with the arms, and they didn't get any of them because the Guardians did what they did. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it worked out really well for the Reds to be able to upgrade and then also not let the Marlins upgrade at all, which is which is fun. I might vote for Kevin Cash, but hide over there in Baltimore. But yeah. at the same time, though, Baltimore is just a game and a half up of the Tampa Bay Rays. And I'm sitting on a Rays ticket to win the division at plus 350 on our friends mm. at BetMGM. I am praying on the Orioles' downfall. Now, getting the playoffs, I would love the Rays to get destroyed and the Orioles to get past them. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about the top performers in the month of August and... We'll name our player of the month, and then we'll talk about a couple other guys that were deserving, and then we'll end the show with the games of the weekend with some predictions, and then we'll wish everybody a great weekend. It's clear the player of the month of August is Mookie freaking Betts. In the month of August, Mookie Betts has nine homers and three steals, striking out 14% of the time. He's hitting 454, 512. 796 slugging percentage to give him a 254 or WRC plus. He accumulated 2.7 F war <laughs> in the month of August. The only player close is Julio Rodriguez at 2.4. Next best is Bryce Harper at 1.7. And we could go over a couple of other names. But guys, the betting favor to bet MGM is Mookie Betts to win the MVP. The more I watch Ronald Acuna Jr. play defense, the more I'm thinking, I'm like, uh, this series, Braves Dodgers, is going to be awesome. Like, I think Braves fans are going to watch Mookie Betts playing short and right and second and hitting just as well as Acuna, and then watching Acuna ground out to shortstop. The guy boots it and he doesn't run it out can't find the ball in the sky at Coors Field dropping fly balls, and they're going to be like, wait a minute. This Mookie Betts guy should probably be the MVP, and that's what I'm in the boat now. No, I'm with you. Acuna sucks because he only hit 340 and only had 12 extra base hits and 10 bags and had a 960 OPS in August. The numbers look shit great. Shit month for a shit player. That guy sucks. That's not what I'm saying. The numbers are obviously amazing. But at the same time, when I watch these two guys play, like Mookie just Mookie just plays better baseball than Ronald Acuna Jr. does. I think they both yeah, play amazing baseball. 
61 stolen bases is like the big, the big talking point. Right. And, and look, I thought Acuna was the runaway, um, but Peter does bring up some important points that I think should be baked into this conversation here is stolen bases are up across the board. Yeah. So of course, if you're pacing the league in stolen bases, that's, that's awesome. But I would take great defense and versatility and and I think that's extremely valuable, and you see it reflected in the F four over you know volume of stolen bases. Like we're talking about the most valuable player being able to play a good corner outfield or elite corner outfield. I know it hasn't he hasn't graded as elite this year because he's been playing all over, and even a slightly below average shortstop and and a good second base, whatever it is metrically, like being able to do that versus just being a lug in right field. That, that does make a difference when we're comparing two absurd offensive stat lines. Like, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm in the boat of like kind of their neck and neck. Let's, let's watch it play out. But if they finish pretty much similarly offensively, I'm not looking at stolen bases as a, as a separator for, for Ronald Acuna more than I'm looking at defense and, and what Mookie Betts has done defensively overall as a separator for him. Uh, because I think that's way more valuable than being able to steal 60 bags. I mean, making plays that keep guys off the base paths period is more valuable than advancing 90 feet. But that, that said, Mookie Betts is a 175 WRC plus. He's been better offensively than Ronald Acuna Jr. has and better defensively. Which is crazy. More stolen bases. He's been 10 points better offensively in WRC plus. And the thing that I want to point to, like I was just giving you shit. I think Acuna is amazing. And we're so lucky to have this three horse race of Mookie Acuna and Freeman in the NL MVP right now. But we have a number that is an overall representation of value to your baseball team. And Mookie Betts is a win better in war than Ronald Acuna Jr. is. It's not point two. It's not point six. It's 1.0. He's a win better than Acuna. Yeah. Mookie's more homers, MVP. more homers, yes. higher WRC plus, higher OPS. What Mookie's the MVP. And better defense. And better defense and in multiple positions. It's like, I actually kind of think it's not that close. Yeah, I don't even I'm, really think it's neck and neck anymore. I'm just I mean, scared maybe of Maybe I'm on an man. island here, but what does Ronald Acuna Jr. do? Ronald Acuna Jr. do better than Mookie Betts besides steel bases? No, steel bases. Yeah, I'm, but I'm scared of Braves fans. I so I'm, so I, no, but seriously, I mean, this guy's six defensive runs saved at, at second base this year. Uh, he's he's played a good right field. It's not been as like elite in terms of the outs above average, but it's been positive in that regard. And then again, filling in at shortstop, like he's graded out as zero defensive run saved, which I think is incre- incredibly impressive uh, given that he has legitimately never played uh shortstop in a very long time. So no, I, for me, it's Mookie. I don't think there's a more valuable player to his team in baseball in a while than what Mookie's yeah. doing right now. And um, I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's pretty special stuff player of the month. No doubt about it. I think it's one of the best months we've seen from a player in a long time. And it, it's amazing what he's able to do both from a power and lack of swing and miss standpoint like you know i nerd out about the metrics and i like to refer to to big league examples as you know prototypes for minor leaguers that i'm you know looking at in terms of like what data points do these players hit and and what data points do these minor leaguers hit and you know is there some like commonalities here to to inspire some confidence in the prospects i've never 
Like if there was a prospect with the data that Mookie Betts has, he'd be the number one prospect and it wouldn't even be close. Like 91% zone contact at the big league level is insane while running, while running a 15% chase rate, while running a 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. Like he checks the 80, like the hundredth percentile of every category I look at. And I know it's like, well, duh, he's an MVP at the big league level, but it's all relative. And I, there's nobody dominating in those in those specific data points in, in Major League Baseball the way Mookie is. Like he is the safest and most well-rounded hitter in the game, I think, at this point. Um, with with those data points, at this point, when you are making a top ten MLB players list, you are putting Shohei Otani at the top. You are mm-hmm. putting Mookie Betts at number two, and mm-hmm. then we can make the rest of the list. Yeah, Soto three. No, but seriously, no, like, I'm with you. How, is it close? Um, right like, now, it's the not old, close. The old guard would say, "Well, have you heard of Mike Trout?" But Trout's not available the way Mookie no. is, and I haven't heard Trout's of him. not playing shortstop. I also haven't really heard of him. Yeah. So, like, just a couple he other likes the Eagles, and he likes airplane emojis. He does, and the yeah. weather couple other names i mean we got to shout out julio rodriguez so, seven bombs 11 steals go ahead jack that's what i was going to say like julio rodriguez went 17 for 22 over a four game stretch and he doesn't win player of the month he just doesn't 2.4 f4 compared to mookie at 2.7 julio rodriguez walked less struck out more lower batting average it was still 429 lower obp 474 lower slugging at 724 to give him a 232 wrc plus and ladies and gentlemen bryce harper bryce harper has arrived bryce harper in the month of august 221 wrc plus slash 361 452 784 with 10 bombs the power is back and he looks angry. Shout out Bryce Harper hitting his 300th home run to give the Phillies the 8-7 lead. And then C- Craig Kimbrell blew it. But then again, still, the Phillies have been one of baseball's hottest teams. Basically, I mean, at this point, it would take an epic collapse for them to not punch a ticket to the playoffs again. And then they're another sneaky team, right? We put out something of who could be, you know, the team to upset the Braves in the National League. And the Dodgers are kind of the obvious answer there. But Arm made a great point about the Phillies. And that entire comment section was Braves fans saying the one team that we're all worried about yeah. are those Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Should we mention that Marcelo Zuna, I guess, is like really good? Oh, Zuna was good. I, another guy I want to shout out before we move off. Cody Bellinger was the player of the month in, in July. And mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger drove in 31 and hit 325 in August. Yep. Cody, like just taking a gander at Cody Bellinger's year so far this year, he's hitting 316 with 20 homers and 77 driven in and 18 for 22 in the stolen base department. Are are you confident enough to just give him like two hundred yeah, million this offseason now? Yeah, I think I I'm think... ready. I'm ready to say that he could very well be a two hundred million dollar player this offseason. I think he gets. What are you I think guys he... smoking? Can I try it? Two hundred million. I don't think he gets that much. I think he gets one fifty with escalators, though, like big escalators to get yeah, him I over two hundred. Like, yeah, to get him over two hundred. Yeah, I I'm in. I've seen enough. Player. I've seen enough. I've I've one hundred percent seen enough. 
No, his approach has gotten so good. He I mean, he's not the 47 home run hitter, but he's better, I think, offensively as a well-rounded offensive player at the plate. Like, he is much more likely to get a hit. Might not be a home run, but his two-strike approach is so good. He works hit. at bats. He's stealing bags. Jack. He's yeah. going to hit 300, go 20-20, have a 900 OPS and be a goal glover in center field. And he can go over to first base and be one of the best defenders there, too. $200 million, Peter Apple. All right. Fine. No, I, I can see it. It's just a crazy, like, if you said when the Cubs signed him to a one-year deal that you're like, my hot take of the year is that after this year with the Cubs, he's going to get $200 million in the open market. We might have had to stop the podcast, but that's why we yeah. love baseball, because anything could happen. A yep, couple yep. more guys I want to shout out. Kerry Carpenter. Of Go. the Tigers, nine bombs, slashing 344, 406, 667 to give him a 191 WRC plus. That's fifth in baseball in the month of August. Teoscar Hernandez, man, did the Mariners need his bat to get going. And what have I been saying all season long, Mariners fans? You're going to go through ups and downs of Teo. Blue Jays fans are very used to it. This is one of the ups, and this is what he can do. So obviously, Julio has been the man, but Teo has the type of bat where he can put the team on his back and put up a 190 WRC plus in the month of August with seven bombs. Glaber Torres for the Yankees is sixth, or excuse me, seventh with a 189 WRC plus, hitting 340, walking a ton, not striking out at all. Corey Seager just continues this pillaging of all pitchers. And Freddie Freeman, just casual 183 WRC plus. And how about Brandon Belt rounding out the top 10? Brandon fucking Belt walking 18% of the time to give him a 182 WRC plus with seven homers of his own. It's been a good month for offense, boys. This has been yep. fun. Yes. Yes. Games of the Jack. weekend. Games of the weekend. All right. Let's start on Friday really, really quickly. Uh, Friday, 110 Eastern. Jordan Wicks in Cincinnati against Graham Ashcraft. Hmm. Give me the Cubs. Do these new Reds bats help against the lefty in Jordan Wicks? His first yeah. start? I think it's first start on the road, right? Because yep. I think his debut was at Wrigley. It's going to be a high-scoring game. No, I think it was in Pittsburgh, actually. He threw oh, was it? Yeah. And it's kind of a home but He threw game. against That's the Pirates, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stadium, though, at PNC. Beautiful ballpark. Beautiful ballpark. I'm going to um, go with the sneaky Reds there, but I ain't confident in it. Okay. I just think this new influx of Bader and Renfro is going to give this team a little bit of a push, and I think Wicks has a little bit of welcome to the show in Great American. I could see that as well. I go Cincinnati. Uh, Tampa at Cleveland at 7-10. Tyler Glass now against the valiant return of Cal Quantrill. Guardians. <laughs> I think Glass now shoves in that yeah, one. Yeah, Rays. <laughs> Guardians. Minnesota in Arlington. Joe Ryan against Max Scherzer at 8.05. Uh, you know what? Give me the Twins. Yeah, I, I think Joe Ryan's Ryan back. Doves, he's back. He's healthy. Twins. Yankees, Astros, Carlos Rodon, Justin Verlander, debuts of Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells. Give me the Astros minus 10.5. Yeah, I love the Astros in that one. <laughs> I'll take the Yankees plus 10.5. Uh, the, <laughs> the true line, I put at 8.5, but give me the Astros. Okay. Um, <laughs> Phillies, Brewers, Zach Wheeler against Freddie Peralta, who has been throwing out of his ass recently. Freddie's been so good. Sneaky dog that I'm looking at. I might be on the Brewers in that game. 
Uh, yeah, I like the Brewers in that one. I do. Clean sweep. Milwaukee. 10-10 on Friday. Max Fried and the Braves against Julio Arias and the Dodgers mm. in L.A. Mm. This series is so awesome. Ugh. Max Fried. Give me a statement from the Dodgers in this one. Give me a statement. Come on. I got the Dodgers. I'll take – I think I'm going to take the Braves. I'm just more confident in Max Fried than Julio Arias right now. I'm going to take the Braves, but – Oh, I just cannot wait. I think I think Arias realizes how much money he's losing himself and fucking shops. No, I love that. I love a statement game there, but at the same time, Max Fried's going into LA. Yeah, also, man. yeah, well, so late good. night, Friday night in LA. I'm give me the Dodgers. Um Saturday, 640, Javier Assad and the Cubs against Andrew Abbott and the Reds in Cincinnati. Mm. Cubbies. Give me, give me the Reds. Okay. Give me the Reds. I, I think, uh, I think Assad struggles in this one. I pitched a contact guy in Great American. He gets ground balls, but I don't know. I, I think this is where the the Reds bats really, you know, kind of shine through a little bit, and they they love righties. This mm-hmm. is a righty. The thing is, I, I kind of like the Reds in that game too, but that means I'm picking the Reds in two straight games against oh, the Cubs. Like are the Reds. I will tell you, it's Tyone and Williamson on Sunday. Cincinnati's going to be rocking, by the way. Cincinnati might win that game, too. I mean, that's going to sweep the Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope that'd be electric. I'd be electric. And I love the Cubs, but like that, that would be so fun. Yeah, just baseball is going to be more fun if the Reds sweep the Cubs, so I'm taking them to sweep. Okay. Not going to happen, but it'd be more fun. To be determined, assume bullpen day for San Francisco against Blake Snell in San Diego on Saturday night. Fuck the Padres. I don't even care who the Giants are throwing. Snell, man. Giants? Okay. Yep. Ah, the Giants are horrible against lefties. Fine, I'll give them the Padres. No, I'll give the Padres early, then they blow it. <laughs> pick one. So, like the Padres will be Just winning pick one. zero. Giants. Padres win. Padres win. I, I I don't trust the Giants. Padres. Um, Braves. Dodgers. Bryce Elder against to be determined for the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers offense can get to Elder. Give me the Dodgers. Boat race. Dodgers boat race. Yeah. Elder. Can we also talk about how Ryan Pepio looks fucking awesome? Pepio looks amazing. We talked about that on the call up, I think. Yeah. 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 Dirty. So good. Dodgers All right. Win the series. And then we've got Sunday. Let's wrap it up. Maeda and John Gray in Twins Rangers. Mm. I think another Twins. one of these weird Twins. boat races. Yeah. I, Twins. I, I'm going to say the Rangers take that one. Twins. Give me. It's Zach Gallen and Jack Flaherty in Arizona in O's Diamondbacks on Sunday. Give me Gallen against Baltimore, I think. In Arizona? In Arizona. Gallen. Yeah, I'll take. I've lost too much money trying to catch the falling knife on Gallen at home, and he just keeps throwing shutouts. Give me the yeah. Diamondbacks. Yeah, Diamondbacks easy. Okay, uh, Braves Dodgers 410 on Sunday. Charlie Morton against Bobby Miller. Mm, another great game. I it's think – the Braves make Bobby Miller look like a rookie. I'm going to take yeah. the Braves in that one. I got Braves in that one. Uh, and then no pick here. I just want to let you guys know the Yankees are on Sunday Night Baseball again. God Fuck! damn. <laughs> Against who? Houston. Javier and Michael King. I mean, I'm going to watch. Yeah. No, how are you not going to watch? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I know. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, glad they 
Uh, no, it's better than force feeding us the rivalry. Yeah. Uh, I got to watch the the rivalry, which is going to be what. Um, so uh, it's I'm, like a, it's like Bernardino opening for the Red Sox against uh, Michael King, Schmidt, yeah. Clark Schmidt, Clark Schmidt's on every national telecast ever. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully, you all enjoyed. Of course, we'll be back on Monday, joined by Dodgers right hander. Walker Bueller, who is making his return soon. We cannot wait to see him back on the mound, but we got him for a couple more episodes. So definitely stay tuned for Monday's episode. But if you enjoyed these and all of the other episodes that we've done, we would greatly appreciate you rating and reviewing this podcast. Five stars, whether it be on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you watch this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and comment anything that we said that is insane or something that you agreed with, or just something that you want to see more in future episodes. The best way to support is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch and support our partners, whether that be BetMGM or Alt, all you card collectors out there, down in the episode description. That's Jack, that's Aram, and I'm Peter. We'll be back on Monday, and with that, thank you. Everybody.